0: Welcome to the VentureFizz podcast. I'm Keith Klein, the host of our show. In this podcast, we interview the most fascinating people in the tech scene. This includes lots of discussions with founders, investors, and operating executives. For today's show, you are going to hear the background story of how two co-founders took their company from Series A funding to an acquisition by Google in 21 months. Yes, you heard that right from Series A to acquisition by Google in 21 months. This is the story of two great serial entrepreneurs in Boston, Izzy Aziri and Dan Belcher, who are now on to their next startup. It's a company called Mabel, and they are disrupting the software testing industry using a machine intelligence approach. They just announced their Series A funding, which was $10 million led by CRV. And as you'll hear from our discussion, Izzy and Dan are pros in terms of identifying markets that are ripe for disruption. And if you think about it, the world of testing has not been touched in several years. So we'll cover a lot about their backgrounds, Stackdriver, and their newest company, Mabel. Plus, we'll cover other great topics like their hiring practices and why keeping a flat organization has been incredibly effective at both companies. By the way, if you are looking for new opportunities, please make sure you visit our biz pages where you can explore over 200 of the fastest growing tech companies in the area, and then cruise over to our job board where you'll find over 2,500 jobs across all functions and all levels of experience. Okay, without further ado, here's my interview with Izzy and Dan. I always like to start from the beginning. Izzy, we'll start with you. Uh, Where did you grow up? What did your parents do for work? And kind of like the you know, brief synopsis of your career in yeah.
1: So I grew up in uh, upstate New York, in uh, Albany, New York, in Buffalo country. And um, I went to a very small school. My graduating class in high school was 60 students. Wow. So very, very small. Um, and my father was a chemical engineer and my mother was a teacher. Um, and so I grew up in a small town uh in Albany and then uh actually came to Boston for college. So went to Bentley University and uh stayed here ever since.
0: Great. And then after Bentley, what did you do? Uh my first job out of
1: school, surprisingly, was as a cost accounting expert wow. at EMC. Uh where I learned a lot, but I also learned I probably <laughs> didn't want to do cost accounting long term. Right. Um and so throughout my career I've done a lot of roles uh from a sales marketing uh strategy perspective. Mm-hmm. I went from EMC to a company called VMware, Mm -hmm. uh, that was a very successful uh, virtualization software company, uh, helped take them public. And then uh, that's actually where I met Dan back in 2007. Uh, From VMware, I went to a company called Acronis, Mm -hmm. where I was running sales and marketing for their uh, US or Americas division, uh, which was a really exciting role. Um, But that's actually where I got the startup bug and I realized I really wanted to help lead an early stage company. So um, I joined Bain Capital Ventures in 2012 as an EIR, Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of planted the seed there for uh, starting Stackdriver, and uh, Stackdriver was our Dan and I's first startup. Um, We started that in 2012, all the way to 2014 until I was acquired by Google. Um, At Google, I was a a product manager for pricing strategy for a couple of years, and now uh, Dan and I are back at it it again and uh, started Mabel in 2017.
0: Okay, Dan, how about you?
2: Well, I guess, um, you know, a similar career to Izzy because we've spent now half of it together, right. uh, yep. different upbringing. So I grew up in Brockton, Massachusetts, okay. uh, boxer country, mm-hmm. uh, home of the champions, a great sports town, yep. um, very yep. large high school. I guess we had about 5,000 students. Um, after Brockton High, I went to Northeastern uh, here in uh, Boston uh, as an undergrad, um, studying mainly English. Uh, passion was uh, and remains largely literature. Um, but, you know, had to pay the bills. So I spent all of my sort of part-time jobs in college, and then, uh, you know, when I started my career working in tech uh, to pay the bills, uh, starting at Microsoft, and then, um, you know, had a great time uh, there. Uh, Went to VMware, uh, leading their professional services team uh, Mm -hmm. here in the Northeast, and then uh, after VMware, uh, joined a startup called Sonian. Uh, sonian is a another was another startup here in Boston. Actually, just got acquired a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, cloud um, archiving, right? Yeah, you mm-hmm. got it, you got it. And sort of learned the ropes of you know uh, startup life, you mm-hmm. know, raising capital and you know launching a product and so forth there, and uh, that gave me the the bug. Uh, and actually, uh, in between, I went and did an MBA um, at uh, Kellogg at Northwestern. Right.
0: Okay, you think the uh, MBA was helpful?
2: Um, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure it was helpful, um, but in, in in a kind of uh, unexpected way. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. one great thing for me is um, uh, going into it, I had very low expectations, right, uh, in terms of the classwork. Um, it was much more about, you know, giving myself and, and and my wife an opportunity to sort of step off of the, you know, treadmill of, mm-hmm. of the career and um, think about what we wanted to do and and through the MBA, got sort of access to, you know, people who were, you know, kind of thinking big, right? You know, launching other companies or CEOs of larger companies. And so um, that, that gave us, I think, some fuel for the fire to, to go and, and do something new.
0: Okay. Izzy, you're a EIR entrepreneur in residence at, at Bain. How do you get an EIR job? I've always been fascinated on how those <laughs> actually happen.
1: Well, I, I've had a really good relationship with Bain for a long time. Uh, I was running software MA at, at EMC and VMware, so it built up relationships with VCs, and mm-hmm. uh, especially with Ben Nye and Ben Holzman at Bain. And um, I wanted to actually, or they were looking to recruit me to be uh, CEO of one of their companies. I just didn't think I was ready. And then when I was at Acronis, I really wanted to kind of dive in and lead a software company, but they said they weren't ready. So mm-hmm. they said, but why don't you come on board and... Uh, kind of come on board as an EIR, which means uh, I can help them with some of their portfolio companies from a go-to-market perspective. Uh, I was helping recruit for some of their portfolio companies. And then we were looking for a company that would be a good fit for me to, to run and they would fund. Um, what I realized in a really short period of time is the probability of all of those things aligning is, uh, is really low. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, asked Ben to potentially work on a new project, which was a new company. And I think that's where Dan and I started to kind of think about, hey, is there an opportunity here to start something from scratch? And so that was really uh, where I spent most of my time as an EIR at
0: Okay. And then what brought the two of you together? You knew each other from the VMware days, but then obviously there was some moment where you're like, let's work on some ideas together.
2: Yeah. There was, a I think a couple month period where um, I was thinking about starting a new company Izzy he was, you know, in the EIR role and we would get together very frequently. And uh, you know, it's almost like entrepreneur dating, right? We'd meet at Starbucks in the morning and, you know, throw around ideas. And finally, we landed on, you know, this market that we thought was very interesting in sort of the rise of public cloud and how's that impacting, you know, people's ability to run applications, um, you know, deliver those apps in, in a, a reliable way. And this and, was what
0: year? Because I think that's... Yeah, that would have to... been
2: 2012. Yeah, yeah right. early 2012. Yep. Yeah, so um, this is kind of like
0: early to market of what companies were doing, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the kind of uh, big hitters on Amazon were just getting to scale. Right. right. And production cloud was just kind of hitting mass market. And so, um, you know, kind of the tools to manage all that hadn't, hadn't sort of kept up. Right. right. And, um, and so we just started interviewing people who were in that place, you know, Hey, I built my business on Amazon, um, and, and asking like, what are the main pain points that, that you're running into that are, um, you know, unaddressed by Amazon or, you know, your provider. And also, um, you know, we started to think about what are those problems that we find interesting, you know, from a technical perspective where we can see some path to creating a product that's going to solve that, that problem in, a, in an interesting way.
0: So how much market research did you do in terms of talking to whether it was engineers, DevOps or? A lot. So we, we developed a very,
1: very short survey. And we sent that survey out to hundreds of DevOps people and developers on uh, on LinkedIn. And then the last question in the survey was, uh, would you be willing to talk to us live? And more than half the people that responded to the survey were willing to talk to us live. Mm-hmm. And so we collected a lot of data. We also um, shared that data with Bain because we were there. And so they gave us a lot of feedback on that that data as well. It helped us kind of come to a conclusion that
0: there really is a market here and there's really a pain point that we can build something. Right. and and. Once you had that market research done, what was the next step? Like, how do you like, okay, well, let's start building a company and a product?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do have to say, even in that stage, um, one of the kind of cultural values that, um, started to emerge that, you know, we didn't do intentionally was this idea of hustle, right? Mm-hmm. So when we were doing market research, it wasn't like we hired a market research firm right? I mean, you have to imagine us sitting in our uh, living rooms with our wives, using a LinkedIn account and I won't say where we got it um, and all of us reaching out to as many people as we could find including our wives no to ask That's for awesome. you know an appointment to have a, a discussion you know we weren't selling anything we were just right. looking for feedback but I think that trait sort of carried forward through the stack you know formation and culture and it's something that we espouse you know here at Mabel as well yeah and, uh, and so that data basically you know it was good to get the the information from the service and so forth. Um, but what, what we did is just you know sort of stepwise through the conversations started to present ideas mm-hmm. so we started to say okay we've heard this pain about you know I get surprised by performance issues uh, enough times that now in between every one of those discussions we're going to tease out you know a little bit better of an idea and then float it with the next discussion and see how that goes and to get feedback and you know, and iterate that way.
0: And then you were probably looking for patterns, the consistency of feedback and trouble areas for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, getting to the
2: point where you have a clear product concept, I mean, it's not just that, right. You have to do that, I think. And, uh, and and certainly, you know, we, we do it that way. Um, but that's also being supplemented by, you know, looking at every competitive product, um, You know, looking, talking to engineers about you know feasibility of building the things that we want to build. Um, You know, talking to VCs about what else they're seeing, right? And you know, there's no real science to it, but basically we compile all that you know information and try to make you know good decisions uh, together.
0: And Bain invested in this company. That well, why don't we start like? So it ended up being Stackdriver. Mm -hmm. What was Stackdriver?
1: Yeah. So Stackdriver. was basically the, the name kind of came from the product, which was we were building uh, basically a management console or a monitoring console that helped you uh, monitor and manage your application stack. So that was kind of the, the, the name behind Stackdriver. And um, when we came up with that concept, uh, Bain had a lot of experience in the application performance management space and the virtualization management space. So they kind of got the idea of what we were trying to do and apply that to uh, public cloud or you know AWS applications. And so um, as we were ready to kind of start building the company, uh, we actually started to go recruit engineers in Boston, um, and we just used our network. So we literally cold reached out to people on LinkedIn who we thought would be great fits based on their background and what we were building. Um, And we found uh, two great engineers and Patrick Eden and Jeremy Katz, and uh, we introduced them to the Bain team, so they kind of got vetted. And uh, with that, we, we...
0: Uh, started the company and Bain funded us uh, $5 million in our Series A. That's great. And so then you start down this journey of actually building a product, yet you had all this market research, so you're building something not in a vacuum. You actually have validated proof of concept points that this is a market. So you started building the product, and I'm assuming these people that you were talking to were early customers maybe, or, yeah, Yeah. So uh, many of the people
1: we talked to early on in the survey that then we talked to live ended up being a lot of our early beta users. Right. So they helped kind of guide our, our product direction. Um, and the great thing was, you know, as we did all this research, uh, which Dan was mentioning, so we went back to all of those people uh, as part of our kind of launch and said, hey, here's the product. You told us this. What do you think?
0: And so a lot of the, those research people ended up kind of trying the product and giving us feedback as well. And the time frame, like, so back in that. Would you say it was 2012? Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a lot of cloud monitoring solutions out there. So who was your competition then? And
2: yeah, yeah, the main the main uh, competition um, uh, was Perceived. So it was CloudWatch, which is a service that Amazon had provided to give you um, visibility into your Amazon services, mm-hmm. right? And so the insight for us was to somebody building an application, I have my cloud infrastructure as sort of the the bottom of my stack but I have a whole application stack running on top of that that uses open source software like Cassandra or MongoDB or Apache web servers. And then I have my code above it. And so it's not just about watching your cloud. It's about driving your stack. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, and so, you know, our our concern, you know, throughout a lot of the time was, you know, when is Amazon going to move up the stack, Mm -hmm. right. And provide visibility into the application tier. And they are, have been chipping away at that, you know, over the last seven years. Um, and then there was another company that was started just before us called Datadog, mm-hmm. right? And they had also a different view in the market. It's about all of your ops data, mm-hmm. right? And so we'll be your Datadog, right? Okay. And so we tried to keep this you know, consistent focus on you know, thinking about the use case of like, I want to manage my application and it's it's not just about my data and it's not about just watching my cloud. It's about you know, how do I manage my entire application stack?
0: So you went on, just to fast forward a little bit, uh, built a team that eventually grew to what size? So we were uh, 33 people when we were acquired by Google. We were were moving really fast. So
1: this concept of hustle applied throughout the business. And we went from first code to beta in nine months uh, to GA in less than a year. To being acquired in 21 months with over 260 customers so okay so just it was a fast fast
0: journey so 21 months from series a right is that what the yep. So it's from acquisition by Google right yep. so that's you know phenomenal right what what prompted Google to come in at and acquire a company that's only 21 21 months old
2: yeah so um, there are a couple of factors um, you know from uh, Google's perspective uh, first and foremost, when they go out looking to, you know, there was a problem, right? So Google Cloud was new compared to Amazon. They had to assemble all these capabilities that Amazon already had, and they looked at, you know, monitoring as a place where, um, you know, acquiring a company like Stackdriver gave them the opportunity not to not only sort of match what customers expect, you know, from a visibility perspective, but sort of leapfrog, you know, what customers had ex- expected and what Amazon. You know, had at the time, um, so that was the first thing. There was a problem that needed to be solved. Uh, and then the next thing is the team. Um, you know, the the you know the team at Stackdriver was one that um, really aligned with Google's values, right? Mm-hmm. And in terms of you know being very innovative and having strong technical backgrounds and and so on. And so you know there was a, a great fit there. And uh, and then you know culturally as well, I think um, uh, you know we. We were making some very serious decisions about actually, you know, our strategy vis-a-vis Amazon and, and other providers. And you know, we um, talked to Google about like what you know what would a relationship between us look like, and uh, you know, and I think they had different ideas than we did. And, and so you know, it was pretty quick before you know we had a term sheet and you know went through the the M and
1: process. Yeah, I think one of the great things that uh, Google kind of aspired for is kind of this openness. Where, you know, when we were running with Stackdriver, most of our customers were running on AWS. Right. And we were concerned that, you know, if we were acquired by Google, those customers would go away Mm -hmm. because Google may want to focus on just purely Google Cloud. But uh, even to this day, uh, Google Stackdriver still supports AWS from a product perspective. So there's this, like, openness concept or transparency that they're not, like, just throwing out these customers that aren't running on their own cloud platform, which is is great.
0: And with... um... Like, I'm always interested in how these conversations even begin of an acquisition. So, was it that they just called out of the blue, or did you have a relationship with them and like more business development, strategic type of partnership already, or were you dealing with people from Amazon? Like, just it just seems like Uh, I'm always fascinated, like how these conversations start and then obviously lead to an outcome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So this one, um, there was no sort of proactive business development. Um, We've never hired a business development person. (laughs) Um, We had had some initial contact with, um, uh, you know, product managers at Google to say, you know, like, here's what we're doing. Would it make sense for us to integrate with Google at some point? And, Um, That didn't really lead to much. Um, But then as we, you know, we needed to make a decision about how much we invest in, you know, Google versus Amazon versus Microsoft and, you know, Rackspace and so forth at the time. And so we just reached out once more to say, hey, guys, we're going to make some decisions. And we've tested, you know, talked a little bit about maybe integrating with Google. Um, We're going to make a decision whether we're ever going to do that, you know, or not pretty soon. So, you know, maybe we should have one more discussion. And, um, and that person that we were in touch with brought um, a number of other people into the discussion, mainly to think about those same topics, integration and so forth. And it just so happened that one of the key kind of technical leaders um, in the Google Cloud space, um, you know, joined that meeting and was really impressed by the product and the team and so forth. And, um, you know, he was in our office, I think two days later, uh, and I think it was just a couple days later, you know, after that, before we started having discussions about, you know, m a yeah.
0: Okay. Um, one of the concerns that founders sometimes have after an acquisition is it ends up being more of an hire, or the products is all not exactly integrated as they expected and it gets sunset or something, but it sounds like you guys had the exact opposite experience where it's Google stack drivers are a, a core product, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think, uh, Dan can talk to the product, but I will say on the integration team, they did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. You know, from a, you know day zero to all the way two and a half years later, uh, the integration team did an incredible job of making sure the needs of the Stackdriver employees were met and even keeping some of their cultural elements like we had Bagel Fridays. And so they allowed us to keep these cultural elements while we were at Google's, Google as well. And to this day, most of the Stackdriver team is still at Google, wow. which kind of proves the point of how well they do yeah. uh, acquisition and integration.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean I think a lot of that uh integrity was a you know big deal for us. I mean, one of the things that Izzy was mentioning about, you know, us being concerned about how is Google going to treat our existing AWS customers. Mm-hmm. A part of that was because we looked them in the eye and said, you know, we're going to be here to serve you and it was really important to us, you know, that once we joined Google that Google would follow through on that commitment and they did. And it was important to us that our teams were well taken care of, you know, post acquisition and, you know, they did. And so I think personally, I didn't feel like, we, you know, Google owed us that much after the acquisition, they had sort of followed through um, on those commitments and it was sort of the opposite. I tried to say, you know, so I was responsible for the Stackdriver products, um, you know, once we got acquired and, and I was, uh, I tried to wear my, you know, Google company guy hat and say, we're going to do what's best for Google, not Stackdriver. And you know, uh, other people decided, for example, that we want to preserve the Stackdriver brand, right? And so now it's Google Stackdriver rather than Google Cloud such and such, right? And um, and so you know, it's really been, I think, an amazing journey for the team there, for us while we were there, and, and you know, the Stackdriver sort of product you know lives on. Sometimes we say that you know we all still kind of bleed Stackdriver green,
1: <laughs> and, uh, and even yeah. to this day at Mabel, we use Stack. We were running on Google Cloud. Yeah, uh, Mabel is and. To this day, we use Stackdriver for monitoring our Mabel application now. That's awesome. So it's just a great, you know, seeing the the progression of that product over so many years is, is incredible. Yeah,
0: You're serial entrepreneurs now, right? You're on to your next startup that you've started as a team from scratch. Uh, at what point did you decide, hey, let's, uh, let's do this again?
1: Yeah, I think I've, um, I really enjoyed the Stackdriver journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just incredible, like, building a great business and building an incredible team. And, and when we were acquired by Google, um, it was a great exit for everyone involved. But uh, I, you know, I love that whole startup uh, bug. And so I knew at some point, you know, i probably want to get back to it. I didn't know when that would be. Uh, but I also at the same time was learning a lot at Google as well. Um, I think, you know, we were there for, for two and a half years. And I think after that, that period of time, uh, I think Dan was running Stackdriver and that ended up being in a great spot. Um, I was doing pricing strategy for Google Cloud and had made a lot of advancements there from where they were before I got there to where uh, they were after I got there. So about two and a half years is when I think we thought it's probably the right time to start thinking about something new, not do we want to start something. But uh,
0: things move pretty quickly after we start thinking about it. And we're going to go through the whole story again of how did you come up with the idea of Mabel and what are you guys doing now?
2: Yeah. Yeah, well... Maple was a little bit different, um, you know, when we decided to start a company. Um, We didn't actually this time start with the cold survey of like which market might be, you know, uh, or or let's use surveys to figure out what market might be interesting. Um, We did some thinking about like this space, you know, uh, whereas in the Stackdriver case before we started that, we looked at a bunch of things that we knew nothing about and would have been, you know, huge mistakes, right? <laughs> this time we said, you know, well, we're kind of like boring development operations people. So let's kind of stay in that, mm-hmm. you know, realm um, and just, you know, test like, you know, ideas around. Um, are there any parts of this of, you know, the process of building and shipping and managing applications that are still way too hard? Mm-hmm. Right. And um Pretty quickly, you know, we landed on, you know, the one that's gotten almost no investment in innovation over the last 10 years, unfortunately, is this QA, you know, aspect. And so, you know, we started to hone our, you know, focus in there. So quality
0: assurance and testing.
2: Yeah, you got it. So let's talk, like, what
0: has been done in this space? I remember, you know, automated testing from way back when with, like, Mercury Interactive, right? But what's the open source?
1: Yeah, Selenium. Selenium is is the uh, go-to now. Yeah, so um, what we saw was basically in the developer... Ecosystem um, companies are adopting agile and DevOps, which are which are then uh, forcing developers to ship code faster and faster. So this is like you know ten times a day you're releasing code to update your application, and uh, there's a lot of tools that help developers do that in their CI pipelines. Um, The challenge is when it comes to testing the release of that code, there's no new tools that have been invented. So. Uh, HP owns Mercury, and that product still lives on today. People are still using that product today, believe it or not. Um, Selenium, which is kind of the open source alternative to uh, to HP, is still being used by millions of developers around the world, and that was invented in like 2004. Wow. So 15 years old, and still uh, it has you know no concept of this DevOps mantra. And so that's, I think, where we saw the opportunity of let's help QA engineers And give them like the tool that brings them to the 21st century from a DevOps perspective. Yeah. Yeah,
2: And the core there is um, Selenium, you know, was very innovative when it came, you know, came out and it's about saying, okay, just like we write code to build our product, why don't we write code to build our tests? And when you, um, instead of having a, a human that clicks through, you know, the each button in the flow... Um, will write code that drives that, you know, drives your browser to do those things, Um, which was really cool. But that assumes that you have the time and the personnel to write almost as much code to test your product Mm -hmm. as you do to, um, you know, build the features. And what happens is when you make changes to the product, your tests, existing tests break, right? Because they make subtle changes to the way that Selenium interacts with your browser. Right. And so... Um, People who had invested sort of pre-DevOps and continuous delivery in these massive testing code bases, once they started releasing very frequently to production, they realized that they needed...
0: Their test scripts were useless. Yeah,
2: yeah. And so, you know, they throw basically these huge suites out and, Mm -hmm. you know, now they're basically running blind. There's not enough testing happening before people release code and actually quality is going down you know, because of it. But that's because there isn't a better alternative today. And it's
1: people, right? The, the alternative is manual testers. So these companies are trying to invest in manual testers. And again, we had a survey that we, we sent out to engineering leaders and they said, it's so hard to find QA engineers because it just, there's, no, there's just sheer volume of people out there is not, is not there. So that's what kind of led us to, well, um, maybe there's new advancements in technology that we can use to help these QA engineers test. And that's where we kind of came up with uh, machine intelligence. So using uh, a lot of the concepts that have already been developed for machine learning and applying that to uh, software testing. So can you
0: expand on that as far as Mabel and the market and the product?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mabel's actually, it's a very, very simple concept. So we said, look, um, you know, we ask ourselves all the time, uh, you want to hire a QA engineer to help you out. Right. And so, how are you going to work with that QA engineer and what do you expect from her, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you might hire her and, you know, we call her Mabel, right? And so you might hire her to say, all right, um, let's start by um, you taking a look at the application and getting yourself familiar. And so one thing that Mabel does is you point her at an application and she'll learn, you know, the basics of how it works. And she does that by crawling through all the pages and starting to build machine learning models. The next thing you might do is train your QA engineer. So say, right, I'm going to put you in touch with our product owner or, you know, dev lead, and he'll take you through the core user journeys through the application. And what I want you to do, Mabel, is then create tests that exercise those user journeys, like let's say your checkout flow or your sign up flow. Um, And so I want you to write those, write tests and run those tests and let me know if anything changes, you know, about those core user journeys. So some, you know, some new feature change breaks uh, one of those flows. And so. That's what we built. So Mabel, you just train her how you do these core user flows, and then she'll run those tests every day or every hour or every time you do a release and let you know if you break any of those flows. And then that QA person, just like Mabel, would get more sophisticated over time and create more specific functional tests around sort of maybe they aren't key flows, but secondary flows or maybe, you know, very important, but basic you know, uh, uh, features within your application. And so now you can do that with Mabel. And, uh, and so it's basically been this evolution of, you know, can we integrate, you know, machine learning and semantic models and, you know, test automation to create an AI that can supplement your QA team as another QA person would.
0: Okay. So you're bringing testing to the modern era versus it sounds like it was trenching back to manual testing again. So it's <laughs> yeah, crazy yeah. that, you know, Technology is moving forward, typically not backwards. So. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, raising capital the second time around, you guys just closed your Series A. What was it like raising capital now that you already had an exit? And
1: Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, it was uh, it was a lot different this time around than it was uh, the first time. And actually, we were approached by um, a great investor, Marat Beecher from uh, CRV. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had known Murat uh, for a number of years. Uh, he was actually tried to invest in Stackdriver and wasn't able to get in. So we actually invested in Datadog, our competitor at the time. And so we've, we've kept in touch with him since then. And um, so Marat led our Series A uh, to $10 million Series A. And we also had um, involvement from uh, Amplify Partners mm-hmm. and Sunil Dhaliwal, who has uh, great experience in the DevOps and developer space. And so with $10 million, we're now off to the
0: races building Mabel. That's great. And what's the the team so far?
1: Yeah,
2: so I guess we're about 20 people uh, at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the majority is engineering. Um, the engineering uh, team is uh, exceptionally strong. We've been, uh, you know, very fortunate. Just like in the investor sense, that you know, um, you know, when we were uh, uh, starting Stackdriver, um, you know, we it wasn't often that we even got to interview people who were interviewing at Google or Amazon or Facebook. And we've had, you know, a few examples now where people have opportunities with all of them and decided to come here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we've been really lucky uh, on that front. So the engineering team, um, you know, most of the people have uh, advanced degrees, several PhDs, um, you know, great uh, computer science backgrounds, MIT, Stanford, and, and so forth. Um, it's a much more uh, senior team uh, than we're, uh, than we're used to. So I think, you know, average... Uh, Years of software development experience is something like 15 uh, Mm. here. Um, And so, uh, and that's really important because I think culturally one of the the unique things here is we try to build very self-directed teams. And, you know, generally to do that, you need it to be, you know, uh, trending towards senior Um, And then on the marketing, go-to-market side, it's been just as exciting.
1: Yeah, on the go-to-market side, we were actually doing something very different than what we did in Stackdriver. So Stackdriver, we had built an incredible inside sales model, and we had it metriced out. So we knew exactly what we needed to do to get new customers. Um, Here, we're taking a completely different focus, which is an inbound model, uh, very brand and content-driven. And we've hired a great team on both product marketing as well as demand gen uh, to go help drive that. Mm -hmm. And so early indications are it's pretty successful um, in terms of you know getting people excited about what we're
0: doing and uh, hopefully trying the product pretty soon that's awesome yeah the uh, the thing that I thought was really interesting about Stackdriver now Mabel is the organizational structure lots of companies preach yeah we're a very flat organization but here it's legit like there's no like hierarchy of titles and like how did you build that type of culture and has like why has that worked obviously if you're doing it same structure again
2: Yeah, well, I think I haven't really thought about it before this moment, but, you know, Izzy and I, uh, uh, you know, both spent a lot of time playing sports, you know, growing up. And um, and it's I think there's a lot of similarities between, you know, what does it feel like to be on a great soccer team or baseball team or what have you and work in here where um, everybody has a role to play and we won't pretend. And it's very important, I think, in terms of building that team that has a lot of camaraderie and, and can work on the field when you're not there, right? Um, That they all feel like they're, you know, kind of equally invested in success and that there isn't some hierarchy and that they're not there trying to do anything but win as a team, right? And so, you know, at Stackdriver and here, we do basically everything that we can to avoid sort of um, motivations that have anything to do with something that's not about the team winning, right? And so, and then solving problems for customers. And so... That's why we tore down all the offices and we get rid of the titles and you know we try to make it really clear that we're kind of in this together and you know everybody's gonna you know benefit when uh, you know when we when we uh, win and uh, and so that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, and even from a kind of team perspective, so. Uh, engineering uh, today at Maple is also doing marketing, right? So they're uh, hosting meetups, they're running blog content for us, they're doing those types of things, hmm. and on and the same thing on like the marketing side, we're feeding kind of customer data back into engineering and setting up feedback calls with with users and stuff, and and everyone sits through these feedback calls. So, so
0: the engineers sit there, and absolutely.
1: So uh, Dan likes to say, if we have three feedback calls during the week. You don't have to tend all three, but you better be at least at two. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so the whole team, engineering, sales, marketing, sits through these feedback calls with users and gets all the input from the user firsthand In can ask their own questions to the user as well.
2: Right. Yeah, I was going to say that they're not sitting there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not you know, we when, uh, when you start, um, it, it won't be a surprise that in your second or third call, we'll, um, Izzy and I will sort of sit back and we'll say, hey, guess what? Jeff's going to facilitate the discussion today. And then, um, but they can also be sort of selfish, right. In terms of, you know, we have these, um, you know, teams that are, you know, working on, in a scrum, you know, on a feature. And if you get to be the one sort of asking the questions that day, you might ask all the questions related to the feature that you're building. Right. And so you can get that feedback directly. And, uh, and so sometimes they have to compete for time because they're all, you know, working, working on, you know, features, uh, uh, sort of, you know, as sub teams. And uh, and so that creates a really cool dynamic too, because then you have these engineers that are competing for, you know, time with customers, which is frankly not what I've seen in in other companies, you know, where you have to drag engineers into the room.
0: All right. Now that you have your A round closed, what's the plan ahead? I'm assuming hiring, go to market, but if you could expand on that.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so we're launching the beta version of Mabel. Uh, so that's now uh, freely accessible to anyone who wants to use it. Um, We'll validate, you know, kind of customer feedback and features on that and hopefully launch the GA uh, version, the paid version very, very soon. And then we'll continue scaling both on the engineering team and on the go-to-market side as well. Got it. So uh, the goal is to kind of build a successful business uh, from a revenue perspective by the end of the year.
0: Okay. Yeah. What can you share with entrepreneurs that are going at it, building companies, first time, whatever? What what lessons have you guys learned as a team of things that uh, you should do or not do? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things we try to do in this
1: one, which I would totally encourage everyone who's been through this once or twice before, is uh, don't try to do it the same way. You know, markets change, customers change, technology changes, even culture. You know, Slack has done so much <laughs> for uh, teams over the past couple of years that, you know, Mabel or Stackdriver never had. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just say embrace change and uh, where you can try to do things differently uh, to drive success that way.
2: Yeah. I think I I couldn't agree more. Um, the, the other one that I would add is, um, focus. Mm -hmm. The, you know, even when we started Stackdriver, at least personally, you know, I allowed a lot of my time to get taken up by things that really had nothing to do with making customers happy. Right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, we just started the company and we're talking about, uh, press, you know, let's see who we can get to write a story about us. We didn't have a product to sell. So who, who cares who writes about it? Right. And, uh, and then, you know, everybody uh, has networks, and they want to introduce you to lots of people who might be helpful down the road. And and I, I it took me a long time to get comfortable, sort of saying, you know, I, like I, I, maybe I should not spend that couple hours out of say the no. office and spend spend it with the team and with customers. And, it's and okay so, to say no. yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. So the focus is, uh, and then that applies across. You know, the focusing on the product direction, focusing on the. Go to market, focusing, you know, the time that we have in the office and so forth.
1: Yeah. I'd say the one other thing is uh, culture, Mm -hmm. right? And spending as much time as you can on culture. It's it's something, you know, that you can't really uh, quantitatively measure the results from, like you can from hiring or building product or sales. But it's just so important where if you build a really strong culture, it can take you through times that are really, really bad. Um, and so Dan and I, I'd say, you know, anywhere from 15 to 25% of our time per week is spent on culture
0: type, type things. Uh, and so I highly recommend that to anyone who's starting a company. Okay. Any companies in the Boston tech scene that you guys admire?
2: Oh, that's a good one.
0: Um, you know, certainly I'll, I'll, uh, this is not a startup, but,
2: um, you know, I look back at, at, at our time at Google and, um, you know, just have so much respect for, um, you know, the work that the teams do there and the culture that they've been able to build, um, you know, and and still placing kind of big bets. Um, You know, the team here in Cambridge, I think, is uh, continuing to grow. And so, you know, that's one.
1: Yeah. I think the other one I was always tied to was Zero Turnaround. Um, It's a a company that uh, when I joined Bain, they had no U.S. employees. And uh, Ethan was their first employee. And they built an incredible brand in the developer ecosystem that uh, just Permeates uh, java developers and so that's one company from an innovation perspective and a team perspective that i, I think is great
0: okay all right yeah. well izzy dan thanks so much for taking the time to share your words of wisdom i always like to turn things back to you if there's anything that you guys want to just wrap up by saying whatever you know the mic's yours
2: well, we're hiring, <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, we'd be happy to uh, you know be in touch, particularly on the um, engineering and uh, go to market um, uh, functions. So always, uh, always interested in you know finding great talent yeah. uh, in the area.
1: Yeah, and I say the other thing is, uh, so we're a totally transparent team mm-hmm. culture office. So we have uh, team meetings every Thursday at four. So if anyone's interested in learning more about Mabel, just stop by. Okay.
0: Yeah. Open invite. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Mabel's growth over the coming years and the second time around to see what this company looks like in the future. So stay tuned.